No. Um, Post production. Uh, <laughs> Bill's going to sing, right? No, definitely not. I wouldn't inflict that on anybody. Well, apparently we're live already on YouTube. Now all we've got to do is wait for the uh, the secondary echo as it's got its time delay. Oh no! Look, I managed to mute it before. Awesome. You're getting better at this, Pete. I'm getting better at this. It might have been because I've gone on there and muted it before we even started. I've been practicing. I know. Right, so, it's a really, really professional introduction. Go, Pete. Oh, go. You stepped on my toes on the professional intro I started, and you stepped all <laughs> over it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we have our long-standing friend Jeff, who has come over, who's back in the states, who was over in the UK, black belt under Master Sour, um, and has been around sort of us and the club. For quite a long time, actually. Um, yeah, second yeah. Master Sour seminar that he came to in the UK. I, yeah, I think it was. It was back uh, at the the old place. Yeah. yeah. Was that 2014? I think that was. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was right. Yeah. Yeah, 2014. So that was yeah. uh, that was the initial initial thing. Yeah. Awesome. And that, that wasn't that the day that Marcel said, you want to do your brown belt tomorrow? <laughs> he did. He did. I declined. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was like, oh, man, I want to do this right. And he was he he threw that on me. He's like, oh, my friend. He's like, you're about ready to test your brown belt. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I said, no, no, no. Let's hold off on that. So, and so I held <laughs> off on it for a number of years after that. But it was a good wait because I'm super happy I did that. So, yeah, he was there. I thought um, I didn't know too many of you guys. I bet I really just knew he was coming to town. I'm like, I'm going to come down and uh, can't miss him if he's uh, in, in in the area. So that's what I think the initial meeting with all you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that long ago, really. And then yeah. time flies by. Yeah. And then we got to hang out in Iceland not that long ago. When was Iceland? That wasn't that long ago, was that it? It was uh, about 2018. 2018. Yeah. Did you guys go uh, the year after? I, I didn't make it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got 2019 as well. Oh, yeah, 20 that, that's a great trip. I mean, I'm, I'm bummed I didn't uh, make that uh, more than once. Yeah. Well, who knows? You never know. We might get Haldor to uh, get it all set up now. So is he, uh, is he running a place over there now? Yeah, he's working with the... He's using the Icelandic Olympic Judo Centre. Wow. <laughs> Which awesome. um, sounds very grand, but because of their population, that's only about four people. <laughs> four people <laughs> are training. <laughs> um, but no, it looks good. It's a huge, huge, huge... But He'll be online in a minute. He'll come and beat me up. That was a huge... Um, huge mat space when you see his photos and stuff but yeah. um, and looks super nice but yeah he's got he's doing classes out of there so it's pretty cool well, that's great that's great yeah the last time i got to see him was when he got promoted so yeah oh, yeah you that were was, there, that you? was fun yeah yeah now that i'm now that i'm back i'm gonna i try to make it up to all the uh headquarters uh they have conferences twice a year they had to cancel because of the virus this year so i think they'll have a fall one and it's just uh, always good to get over there. 
hopefully one day maybe you guys can come come over hopefully. yeah how far is that for me it's uh 10 hours so yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> more than likely i'd fly up there for that 10 hour drive yeah yeah, yeah. That's a long one. It looked busy last time, though. That last camp when you were when Haldor did his black belt, it looked like quite a busy camp. That's why. That's why they're great. The late, the last, well, the ones I've been to the last couple of years are just absolutely packed. Um, he gets in, you know, uh, Master Shao has like his previous Salt Lake City group, which is still growing strong. So he'll get a lot of the instructors um, coming out of there come teach. And he'll kind of get some people that were like, you know, the instructors to do a session. And it's fantastic to kind of meet some of those guys that are kind of from the generation prior. And all of them are just, uh, they're incredible. So it's always a fun time. You know, you, you, you try to write and learn as much as you can and meet people and make connections. You find you learn more from the instructors or from everybody else that you get the chance to train with because there's there's so many people there, right? So from, from all over. It's overwhelming, right? Because um, you train, you'll go sit through an instructor's class. I mean, the way they did it last time, it was two or three different sessions a day, I think. So each one, you know, each instructor, you're learning a ton and then you have to try to file that away and move on to the next class <laughs> so, so it is cool to find a partner and uh then you know hopefully that they work through that and you can remember and drill stuff later with them and try to put it into your game um i'm happy if i walk away remembering 30 percent of what someone <laughs> showed <laughs> yeah is that all you can eat buffet just yeah exactly at some point, you just are gorged. <laughs> saturation. <laughs> yeah. Get to that head saturation point where you just know there's nothing else that can go in today. Yeah, exactly. So, Jeff, um, I wasn't there in 2012, so forgive me. Not 2012, 2014. Um, I didn't, so if, if, if you've already told Pete and Rob how you started in jiu-jitsu or how you came to it, I didn't hear it, so I'm going to ask you to tell me again. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, well, the, so jiu-jitsu started for me in 2003, like uh, January, I believe. Um, I was looking for <clears throat> self-defense, um, and I was looking for something to be active in. Um, I think for the Prior years, I was, uh, so I'll even back up a little more. The reason I was looking at jujitsu or, or martial arts in general was um, uh, I, I grew up in high school. I did uh, high school wrestling. Um, so I enjoyed kind of the grappling sports uh, and I kind of fell out of that. I did that through high school and one year at university. And then, um, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to do that afterwards. So I am, um, kind of was always trying to be active and I got into things like uh, cycling and running and trying to do triathlons, which you guys have seen me. I am not built to be a triathlete. So I did a lot of that and had fun at it, but uh, it was, uh, you know, I tried to go and do actual races and just wasn't very successful. So I wanted to do something else. <clears throat> had always loved the grappling. Uh, wanted to do a martial arts to have a little bit 
uh, more comfort in self-defense. Uh, so I started looking at all kinds of martial arts. So I, I was looking at the, you know, the uh, Kali and Salat and, and all these other things. <clears throat> and then someone was talking about jujitsu and I thought, oh, I've heard of that. Um, so it was in the back of my mind. And then I was on a, getting on an uh, airplane uh, flying home. I, I'd gone up to, where was I? I think I was on a trip, work trip. And there was these two guys in front of me and they had um, geese wrapped up. Uh, I can't remember if they were in a bag or whatever, but they were talking about this uh, thing, you know, jujitsu, this tournament they had just gone to. And I was like, oh man. So I asked them, I was like, what are you guys talking about? And they said, oh, we're talking about Brazilian jujitsu. And we trained here in Atlanta, which is where I was living at the time. I said, really? I said, I'm going to check this out. So then I put it on the calendar um, to really uh, see what this is all about. At that time, there was two schools that I knew of in Atlanta. One of them was Alliance Headquarters, which uh, was under Jacare. And there was Tiger Academy, um, which is under Eddie Camden, who was a Pedro, uh, at the time he was a Pedro Brownville. And uh, I didn't know the difference. I didn't know who Pedro Sauer was. I didn't know who Jacare was. I didn't know anything. So I just picked one. And I picked the one that was closest to my to my house, which was Eddie's school, Eddie Cannon's, and went up there and chatted with him. And, um, you know, he was great. He said, come on in. And they had already had a small, uh, I wouldn't say it's a small club, but they had a, a good size club running, signed up, started training. Um, and and I, I loved it. You know, I was there. Well, I was, I wouldn't say I was there every day. I wish I had trained every day when I was a little bit younger, but I was there as much as I could. And it became my community, which I, maybe you guys experienced that. You know, I've, I had uh, some of my best friends come out of that school. And um, so that's how I got started uh, was with uh, not with Pedro himself, but with one of his uh, first black belts. Because shortly after I started, Eddie went and got his tested for his black belt. So trained with him for two, two to three years, three or so years. And then I had to move to Virginia. And I was really bummed about that. I thought, oh, man, I'm losing the school because the school was great, loved it. And so I went up to Virginia and I was looking around and I couldn't find a school that was quite as uh, organized because Tiger was a really good organized school as far as curriculum and how they ran things. And I was popping around and kind of actually just joined um, a school where you know, it was, they were, it wasn't quite as built up, but it was close by, started training with them. They were, and I think they were somewhat affiliated with, you know, Peter Sauer. Um, and I signed up, there was a, a guy there who, who now has his own academy. He was the head instructor from Brazil, brown belt, super talented guy. And um, literally the first week I signed up there, he he said, Hey, uh, guys i'm leaving i'm gonna go start my own school because he was he was uh, being paid to, to teach classes at this school and i thought oh my gosh i just signed up i just and in the states a lot of times you sign you know the kind of the year contract with a lot of the schools and i thought oh what's going on so i talked to the owner who became a good friend of mine uh dave anderson i was like hey man look this guy's moving on i really want to go train under a high level guy uh, besides him you know there's uh, maybe a purple belt. So I'm not sure who was going to teach his classes. I, I think I just want to kind of cancel my membership and probably go try somewhere else. And he goes, no, 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 don't, don't cancel on me. 
just just hang with me hang with me <laughs> so it's like what's going on he's like i got something big I'm like well what what do you got going i need to i need to go find a place to train he and he goes okay okay i got pedro sour coming and I, and I was like what do you mean you got pedro sour he's like no he's moving out here and he's gonna <laughs> be teaching at the gym so i was like really i almost didn't believe him but uh about a i guess a month later sure enough i Ran over uh, on a Sunday afternoon and helped uh, unload all of Pedro's stuff. A bunch of guys went over and helped him move in. And he moved to Virginia and uh, started training, started teaching at the school and doing his seminars on the weekends. And uh, so that's where I, uh, and then I stuck with him for quite a while until I ended up moving to the UK. Wow. That's kind of how I got started and where I, where I actually got to run into Pedro and uh, loved it ever since. I can't imagine anybody learning from from you know Pedro Sauer, Master Sauer, and uh, and quitting. <laughs> and quitting. Might, yeah, but he, but he must have people obviously that don't don't stay the test of time. But yeah, he's, he's I mean he's such an amazing character. I can't imagine people experience that and then uh, and then walk away. But but yeah, yeah. He'll tell you. He tells all. You know, he tells us stories all the time about when he's doing seminars about staying on the map. And, you know, and, and, and you need to take care not to try to kill each other every day because you want to, you know, be in it for the long haul. And those are the guys that I did see quit, you know, as, as much as you're thinking, I can't believe the guys are going to quit. There was a lot of guys that came in and uh, just wanted to brawl. And those guys aren't around anymore. And, they, you know, they usually last two years before they move on, it seems. And I'm not sure what they go do. <laughs> because you just lose contact with them I imagine, I imagine they just stop don't they they just go they get injured or they get their ego hurt and then no that's not for me i'm not going to do that again yes probably i mean i think you got to get rid of the ego right if uh i would you know i feel like uh, where i'm at now i can't have an ego because i'm getting older and it doesn't matter whatever my level you know there's a lot of really talented young kids coming up and I should you know and I'm glad to be able to teach a lot of them um but if I had an ego every every day when one of these uh guys caught me in something I would be you know very frustrated but I think I look at it as I'm helping teach the next generation I, uh, I very rarely um remember roles it's just kind of like you know I live each moment by by the moment, but I do remember rolling with you in Iceland, Jeff, and uh, and I thought I, you know, I thought we was having a nice little roll around, and I felt like I was doing good, and then all of a sudden I was upside down and tapping from some crazy loop choke that sticks in my mind, you know. <laughs> um, it was uh, it just came from nowhere. It was like it was amazing. I was like, oh, I need to learn that. What did you do? <laughs> Hey, I, I think I don't think I've created one thing in my jiu-jitsu career. I've stolen it all. I've either learned it from Master Sauer or someone else. Yeah, no, it was it was it was good. It was uh, yeah, but the, I don't remember roles, but I do remember that one vividly. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that Iceland trip. That was a tough mat on that open on that open mat day, wasn't it? That was a uh, how many? So there was there was. Um, Raul from, uh, from Amsterdam. Yeah, so there's oh, Raul. There was his. 
purple belt who terrorized me um and then it was obviously alan and he really terrorized me that day he he, <laughs> he absolutely like <laughs> alan when he rolls with us obviously plays with us and you know we train and he'll roll and go yeah you're doing great that day no he just tore through me just did not stop uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how long it was. I, I lost count of how many times I tapped and how quickly I tapped each time. He just yeah. absolutely... I came back. These guys will tell you, I had about three months where I walked around like this. <laughs> well, he, he genuinely was shell-shocked, Jeff. I genuinely had PTSD from being beaten up by Alan. I did not know what to do for about three months. Uh, oh, I remember that. I, I remember that because... Uh, uh, I feel like, um, I don't know if I felt a little dehydrated because we'd been on that little bus tour and all that stuff. And then it was open mat and I really wanted to do open mat. So I was excited about that. And uh, I'd had a couple rolls and then uh, Master Sauer says, hey, why don't you go roll with roll? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so there, so there, like there's a lot of roles that, I, so the roles that I remember is usually people like him or there's guys at the, at the seminar and the conference, a lot of the black belts, um, Ryland Lazares and a bunch of other, Adam Miller, a bunch of these guys, and you roll with them. And you feel like you just went back down to like blue belt or something because they, they let you do stuff and then they just stop it. And they're not trying. And it gets really frustrating. And you're like, what, what? I don't, you know, what's going on here? Let's just, you know, so I, I, uh, I did that with, with Raul. I was trying to, I love to play guard. So I tried to play guard with him and I'm sure he's thinking, what is this guy doing? Cause he's a, cause he's a lot bigger than me. And he just smashed through my guard. It was, it was insane. <laughs> Raul was really cool. One, one of the things I remember, yeah, maybe that was just that day. I have a good memory for what happens in Iceland, but, um, but yeah, I, I remember Raul and his heavy leg, like just the, the use of his heavy leg was just astonishing. Um, you know, so yeah, just. I ran into those guys um, in, uh, in Glasgow when uh, Master Sauer came over and did a seminar up there. So Which they came over. That was, uh, that was 2019, I think yeah, so. We were going to go, but we had um, Luisa Redia came to us, so we had something to talk about. And it was a good seminar. Always. <laughs> so, Jeff, you said you started out with, um, with the wrestling you know, back at high school. Um, and it's something that I always wonder oh. about. Oh, look at that. <laughs> That's Hickson. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know if that would be a compliment to name my cat. I did name my cat, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure how he would take that. I bet you can't keep him on his back, can you? No, no, he's, he's quite talented. He he fights with the other cat, and and uh, there's a lot of jujitsu that goes on. <laughs> he's never lost. He's never lost. He's never lost. <laughs> I was going to um, I was going to say so with the with the wrestling, obviously in the states. I don't know whether or not everybody gets the chance to wrestle or whether you just pick it as a sport to do, but you've obviously taught in the UK and, and spent some time over here. The exposure that you get um, wrestling in the States at school, and does that kind of set you up better for jujitsu? Is there, is there any like, comparisons you can draw there? Or 
so I think some people might might disagree with me, but I think uh, wrestling does prepare you well for if you're going to do no gi. Okay. Um, I think you can take a lot of the wrestling that you learn, uh, in, in specifically the the takedowns um, in the <clears throat> on the ground. I don't know besides having a, an understanding or just kind of that ability to feel um, body pressure and, and you know positioning. I don't know if it really helps a whole lot, but on takedowns in no gi it would. Um, now when you switch to the gi, in my opinion, it, it gets the gi negates all of that if the guy can get grips. Then I think judo is much more preferable um, for standing than if in a jujitsu fight versus uh, wrestling. So I'll teach a lot of, uh, because I don't know a whole lot of judo, but I know a decent amount of wrestling. I'm always trying to ad adapt wrestling takedowns for the gi. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, showing guys how to clear a grip because if, if grips are set in, it's really hard to do a lot of the takedowns um, that I know of. You kind of need to clear those grips or, or try a takedown before they establish, you know, some solid grips. So I wouldn't say it's a huge benefit, um, but being comfortable, uh, it does, if you have done some wrestling, some, uh, standing takedowns, it, it makes you a lot more comfortable. Uh, like now I, cause I feel, I feel old. Uh, I don't love doing, I, I used to love to do takedowns. Um, I don't do them a whole lot because I actually kind of worry that I'm going to get something hurt and I don't want to be off the mat. Um, so I'll drill them sometimes and I'll, you know, teach them, but, very rarely do uh, I set up a, where a class is doing, you know, um, specific takedown sparring. Um, I think you kind of, because you run the risk of getting some injuries unless people really know what they're doing. Uh, so you need to kind of have a, a group of people that are a little bit at a higher level, um, in my opinion, uh, mm -hmm. if you want to run like a competition type class or something like that. Yeah. Um, so one thing I've started to do, though, that's similar to that is so when I talk about wrestling takedowns and jujitsu, <clears throat> I think I'm probably talking about like in a competition scenario. Um, but the self-defense aspect, there's probably a lot of uh, transition that wrestling can help. Right. Especially for what we drill, you know, we, we work with a, like doing a lot of T position and things like that. So I can I take a lot of those positions and I might modify them a little bit um that come from wrestling uh so instead of the t position takedowns i might switch it to t position but it's a body lock hold and and work that position to do the takedown um and and i like to yeah when i'm thinking about it that way in a self-defense standpoint I, I feel like getting into an entry closing the distance that's all it's all some good stuff you can learn from wrestling so when you're in the uk and you get like brand new people through the door quite often you know jiu-jitsu is the first time they've ever done any sort of like grappling they've not had that that kind of that that wrestling experience does does everybody get asked to wrestle at some point in in their school you know is it part of the curriculum no. so you know they have um you know they'll have seasons a spring a winter and a fall season um for sports in in in, in the high schools and in middle schools level and um, so you get to pick, you don't have to play a sport. They don't, they don't make everyone play a sport. I kind of wish they did. I don't know if in the UK, if you have to, you have to play at least a sport, right? 
in school. Yeah, you have to do those like mandatory PE. It's probably twice a week now. They have to do something twice a week. Yeah. I wish they would mandate that, but most people pick a sport um, and the, the predominant ones are football or, or American football. Uh, and then football, soccer um, is, is growing. Uh, basketball and baseball. Those are kind of the four to five sports. Um, so wrestling wasn't one. But I, when I was a, a freshman, my first year in high school, I weighed 100 pounds, which is, I don't even know I have to do the conversion for kilos. Uh, and I did play football. I did play soccer, um, but I wanted to do something different. And I, I wasn't going to play, fo- you know, American football is too little, um, too short to play basketball. So I just, there wasn't a sport for me. So I did wrestling because at least I was going to have an, uh, a level playing field with someone my size. Um, wrestling wasn't very popular, mainly because it was hard, right? Um, we had long practices. They were, you know, it's just like a uh, kind of an, like an intense jujitsu session. You know, you're doing a lot of cardio, you're doing a lot of constant drilling, and then you have to fight at the end of it. And, and then you can't eat. You're always trying to lose weight. So a lot of people didn't want to do it. Um, it was, you know, I think it was a respected sport, but it definitely wasn't a popular sport. What do you think about the, it's a weird question, but I feel with the, with the wrestling, do you think it changes because it's more prevalent in the States in terms of people doing it? Do you think it changes the dynamics of self-defense and street fights in the States compared to say the UK where it's just not done by anyone? Um, well, so wrestling might not be done by anyone, but I think the UK has a, a lot of, uh, people who do judo and do like other martial arts. Um, I think the, I think by and large, most fights in a self-defense standpoint are, you know, a striking type of fight. That's how it starts. That's just what people do. So <clears throat> I don't really know if there's a, a benefit in, to self-defense i think it's it's a good way to lead yourself into what the gracies you know talk about um that when you're dealing with self-defense it's gonna uh probably go to the ground and you need to be able to um you know handle yourself on the ground Uh, the problem with wrestling is why you might be able to entangle someone and maybe take them onto the ground um you know it kind of stops there uh i mean they you can create some kind of uh pressure to subdue someone if you were a really good wrestler and you know some high level guys but but there's not any submissions in it and uh things like that so hmm. interesting yeah you see yeah. In, the, in the ufc like the wrestlers have a you know fantastic takedown game but also so athletic as well and you said how hard it is as a sport yeah, yeah, such good um, uh, engines engines for it. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, you look at those guys, and they're really great at taking people down, and that's what's. Uh, you know, I saw. Uh, I'll, I'll not I'll change my thought real quick. I was watching a YouTube, and it was. Uh, uh, can't believe it. what's his name, <laughs> the, the the wrestler, the champion. <sighs> So bad, my UFC. Um, uh, what weight category? The the, uh, the 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 guy from Georgia. The 
Russian guy. Mm. Oh, oh, um, Khabib. <laughs> you know, he's going to be upset that I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. When you said Georgia, I was thinking Atlanta, Georgia. No, not Atlanta. The other Georgia. <laughs> so um, I saw him. He went to a, a wrestling uh, practice that um, was being held uh, with a bunch of high-level high, high school wrestlers and stuff like that. <clears throat> and so they were doing actual wrestling. And uh, he it was great because he was holding his own. Uh, and then you could realize that once he took down this one guy who was like, rated as the biggest prospect to, for the university. He was coming out as the number one high school wrestler in the country. He, so he took him down. And once he got him down, he was also showing that, hey, in the UFC, I would be punching you here. So um, he was able to take down a high-level wrestler and then apply, you know, what would be striking to it. And they didn't do any striking. He was just kind of showing how it would come into play. And so I, I think that's, you know, the skill right there. If you can, as long as you're not going against a, a crazy striker who you never can close the distance on, and there are a couple of those around. Yep. It's just and that I saw the same video that you were talking about, actually. And uh, yeah, it, it, it did look like a, I don't know, like it was a lion, Daniel, lion and his cub kind of thing. It was just, it yeah, wasn't fair. <laughs> it was Daniel Cormier's uh, wrestling practice. If you could find it, it's, it's great to watch. Okay. Yeah, I need to watch that. There's yeah, there's all sorts of stories about him and they're just destroying everyone in the gym from heavyweights to you know down. Yeah. I guess it's just that thing of someone who's the top of their game for that thing. You know, put them against anyone who's good at it but not like that incredible athlete for that and it's yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm having like this crazy thunderstorm. Is that what that is? <laughs> is that, can you hear that? Yeah, I can just about hear. Is that the rain? That's why. That's why the room got a lot darker. <laughs> it, it rains a lot different over here. So. So how long have you been back there now, Jeff? Is it? Oh, year. A whole year. A year. Yeah. And so, anything, anything you're missing about the UK at all? So, you know, I, I do, yeah, I miss um, the club I was uh, training at because, you know, you spend a lot of time and you guys know this way as like running a club, spend a lot of time investing in it, you know, sweat and blood and everything. And, and you make a lot of good friendships. And uh, so I, I miss uh, a, a lot of that because, because I felt like that was the first time I walked into a place and with the, I don't know if you guys ever met, there was a, a guy that I helped. Uh, that ran the school with me uh, named Lewis Matthews. He's a Gracie Baja black belt up in, up north in, in, not in Leeds, but in Harrogate. And he, um, so he runs it now, but we built that from the ground up and it, it was, it's fun to look at that and see all the people there and see the success. And, and then it's kind of sad to, you know, have to leave it and then uh, start all over. And so I'm not really starting over. I'm, um, there's a, a Pedro affiliate close by that's run by uh, Jamie Williams, who's a black belt. And so I teach over there and train over there um, as much as possible. So it's, uh, but I'm kind of coming into established school. So you kind of come in and you got to make, you know, make friends and, and make sure that people like you. <laughs> don't, don't think you're a jackass or whatever. <laughs> 
That's easy for you, right? That's easy for you. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly putting my foot in my mouth. I have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So how many, what's the, is it because, do you think, is it because of um, Master Sal moving to Atlanta? Is that why? Because he's got, that's, the association, from what I can see, it's got such a strong presence sort of in the south of the States compared to sort of everywhere else. Is it just because that's where he kind of landed? And So he, uh, well, he was out in Utah. I don't know how long he was in Utah. So he has that, a strong, super strong base of the schools out there. And er, so from what I understand early on, when he was in Utah and people were still learning about jujitsu and it wasn't around a lot, people were traveling and they would go spend, you know, a month or week or whatever in Utah to train with him. And that's uh, like Jeff Curran did a lot of that, I believe. And there's a lot of other guys that did that. And that's the same thing that um, Eddie Camden did for a bit. So they would go and they would train and learn and then they would come back and kind of start their own thing. I don't know uh, why there's, because there definitely are a lot of uh, his affiliates in the South, which would be, you know, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia. And that's probably because uh, starting in, when did he move? Um, starting in 2006 is when he went to Virginia, I think. And so the, those are all schools that are probably have grown out of him being on the East Coast. Mm. Yeah. Do you uh, do you get to? I mean, for us, when I think about going on holiday, I'm always thinking, "Oh, I wonder what school I might be able to go and visit." Do, do the yeah. same thoughts Do the same thoughts cross your mind, Jeff? Or, or uh... always, whenever, when especially when I was a lower belt, whenever I traveled, I took a gi with me, and you know, I was constantly like the most important thing on my trip was not whatever I, not my work. I was like, where's the school? Where's the school? I hope I'm done by the end of the day so I can get to, you know, class. And so I would, uh, I would message people and I would train at what any gym really. Well, I would make sure I would contact the black belt and, and try to figure out, make sure it was a, a cool school that they were good with me showing up and um, go and train with them. And once I would, you know, find one in one little city or whatever, I would always kind of go back to that city. Uh, I find now that I'm a black belt, I'm a little bit more hesitant to, I, I want to make sure I know who it is because especially, uh, so at 52, I don't want to roll in there as a black belt because I'm going to have a target on my back and have all these young 22 year old blue belts trying to kill me. I'm I don't, I'm not there for that. So I, uh, I'm a little bit more picky about where I train. I, I'm, for me, it's more about, you know, getting to meet people, train with them, see what they do and not so much uh, the, the competition aspect of it. Um, I do love to roll. So I'll go in there and roll no matter where I go, but sometimes I pay for it the next day. <laughs> you, uh, any, any schools still on your wish list? Any places you still like to visit? There, well, there's a ton in, in California, right? Um, I made it out to AOJ, and that was fantastic. Um, but there's a, a lot of different schools that, I mean, it's just packed with good jujitsu. Uh, one thing I, I do want to do, I want to go to uh, Lucas Leitch School out in California. 
because I like half guard and he is the guy that I patterned my half guard after. So I, I, I want to get out there and see if I can't do a week or something with him. I don't, you know, of course he doesn't know this. I haven't even asked him, but I'll figure out a way to make a vacation out of it. Sounds good. Sounds good. How did you, how did you find most of the school sort of going around and did you find most of them were pretty cool and all right, were you training and not trying to kill you too bad or did it just depend? So I found that, uh, I think it's personality, right? Um, my meaning my personality, uh, I think I'm very, I, I approach people in a non-threatening manner. I'm super friendly. I want to, you know, it's all about, I want to come see what they do. I think, you know, what their school is, is, is great. And I want to hear how they're teaching class and what they're doing. Uh, if you approach it a little different and you walk in the door kind of with that attitude, then, you know, the same schools that I think are good could probably say, Hey, you know what, like we need to, we need to turn it up on this guy. So I think 99% of them are going to be fine. You know, it's just a lot of how you uh, uh, kind of prep them for your arrival. <laughs> like I never show up at the door. Hey, I forgot to call you or ask you, but I'm in town. Can I come train here? I, I think that's a bad idea. Um, so I always, always give them a phone call and see if they'll uh, be happy for me to come in. And they usually are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good tip. And how, how do you start off? I've heard a couple of people talk about this. How do you start off kind of when you're rolling? Will you just go in there and kind of play defensive and see what it's like and kind of feel it out from there? Or um, Yeah, I don't. So I, I would say how I roll all the time now is almost like that. And I don't know if it's out of laziness <laughs> or what. I, uh, so I just start rolls off fairly slow and I'm, I play a lot of defense and I, and, uh, that's probably, a, a, a something I need to work on. I need to probably do a little bit more attacking sometimes, but, uh, it's just kind of my nature. I am going to let someone instigate usually what they want to do and see, see where it's going to go. Um, yeah, so I don't go in there and, you know, try to take the top position and start, you know, smashing people and whatever usually i end up mad at myself because i was too passive and and then i got myself really deep into a hole and then i couldn't get out of it <laughs> i was just about to say jeff i do that all the time I, I let people do what they want to do and then i can't get out of it and i'm thinking why what did i do that for yeah and i'm like well yeah of course there wasn't an escape for that but why did you ever let him do that <laughs> could, have, could have tried a little bit harder before yeah <laughs> I just, I just got to get better. I, I got to get, I, I roll like I'm, I'm, you know, like I think I'm better than I am. I'm not. <laughs> just tap, tap. Yeah. yeah. Why is this guy letting me get mount on him again? I <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd learn by now, but no, still, still keep trying. So I'm going to get better hey, one day. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys experience this, but I, but this is a, my take in the last couple of years on my training. So I'll go in and, uh, and I think it has to do with like getting older in the past, you know, when I would go train, I, I would know, Oh man, I don't feel good today. It's going to be rough. And you'd go in when I was younger and I get smashed. And then there's days where I'm feeling great and it's going to be fun. And I'd go in there and great session. I was killing everybody. Well, now 
some weird magic has occurred where I can go through a whole day feeling pretty good. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a good night. And I just We've got a freeze at the important bit. <laughs> oh no. I didn't know if that was just me. No, it's uh no, Jeff's frozen. The thunderstorm's got him. He's putting, a, he's putting a beautiful face on my screen as well. Yeah, for people on audio, you're missing out. <laughs> Hang on. No, he's still frozen. We may or may not have lost him, but that's okay. We'll get him back if we have lost him. Musical interlude. Hang on, he'll come back. <clears throat> That's give us the good stuff about feeling uh, feeling good all day and then losing it when you get to the academy, which uh, I definitely know all about. I, I blame putting the mats out. I'm fine. <laughs> I put the mats out and I'm exhausted and that's it. I'm done for the night. I've got nothing left. <laughs> I blame. I don't know. Yeah, it's all about energy conservation. Yeah, I guess until Jeff comes back, we can talk about the fact that as of this, you know, this week we have had the news that we can do something. Something is happening. Yeah, something is happening. <laughs> I don't know what quite that something looks like yet, but something is happening at the end of this month. Something is definitely happening. Yeah, we'll mark it for posterity in the podcast history. Yeah. That this week was the week that they said you can go back and train, but don't touch each other. Oh no, you wouldn't want to do that. They're unclean. If you do, don't touch each other. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Hang on, should we jump on uh, uh, Facebook and see if he's still uh, floating around in the internet? I want to hear the end of the story. I know. I was I was enjoying that. Magic happens where he, he feel he's going to feel good, but but what? <laughs> what oh. do you think? That was upsetting. <laughs> So magic that the, uh, the universe had to come and put a stop to internally. Phil for me. So, Bill, how's it going? Yes. <laughs> I, it's going really well, really well. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enthused by the, the thought of getting back to something normal soon, hopefully, one day. Pete and I have now got a, well, and yourself, if you want, want in, but Pete and I need to sit and digest what's been announced so we can actually work out what it is we can do and what it is that will be what people want, you know, in the, in the interim period between going back and having, you know, and then being able to actually have some sort of contact with the world. So it makes sense, obviously. I think a lot of people obviously had no contact to begin with. Um, but then like a later phase is when they start training in bubbles. But if you've got like a, a couple or something that train, because is it Martin? Uh, that's, that's a good idea. We, we haven't got many of those, but we've got a few. And like, I've seen some people that basically said, look, if you haven't got someone that trains jiu-jitsu, after you have got someone at home, bring them instead. Yeah. That's an option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we could say that. See how that works out. We've got to look at it and see. And if yeah. you haven't, then just, just move out of your house and move in with someone that does change it through. Well, no, in all seriousness, I think this might actually drive a, a, a 
greater demand for like commune type living. Um, just one big bubble, so you can just carry on regardless. Bubble. You've been you've been going down to Glastonbury too much, haven't you? <laughs> it's got you know, it's got to be sustainable ways and, and all of these things. It's it's bang on topic at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh yeah. jujitsu jiu commune. So and, and for... oh. Sorry, Rob, say again. We're white. Yeah. Yeah, any colour as long as it's white. Uh, um, just, for those that don't know, we're in the obviously in the UK. We're waiting as well. Hey, Jeff's back. Um, we're waiting for like our probably the people we can look to is the the BJA, British Judo Association, for what they can do, and then we're just kind of following. Here he comes. He's back. Thunderstorm. Thunderstorm wiped him out, but he's back. It just got to the key moment. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, yeah, I was talking, and the facial expressions of you guys didn't change. And I thought, well, <laughs> Jeff, you've got to look at this back on YouTube because you'll see the facial expression of you as it froze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a magical moment. <laughs> and so there I was. <laughs> it was a bit like that as well because you got to the part. You, I think, you literally said the words. What you were saying, obviously, about when you're getting ready to go to class, you're feeling good, and you said, and then you get to class, and you, and the, you said, no, this magic it. thing happens. This magic thing happens now. I'm feeling good all day, and I go to class, and yeah, and your face picture. That <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So uh, what I was saying is, I go to, I go to class now. Now that I feel like I'm older, and I'm feeling good all day. I'm ready for a good session. And I go and just get absolutely smashed. Nothing I can do. I can't stop. I couldn't stop 10-year-olds from getting them out of me. I'm like, what is going on here? And, uh, and then other days, I won't feel all that great, and it'll be an excellent session. So the, I'm living in this you know, inverted world somehow um, where you, I can't trust my feeling anymore. So what I have, have determined is that you know, I have to pay attention to, uh, like, I, I try to pay attention to my diet and all of my you know, habits, like make sure I drink water because I used to not really, I, I was, I never really took care of myself when I was young. I just did whatever and still I could get away with it. Now I have to make sure I drink water throughout the day make sure I eat and don't skip meals. Otherwise I'll show up thinking it's going to be fine. And I'll uh, leave that night going, what just happened to me? <laughs> I still haven't even, even, yeah, even the days where I think it's going to be good, it's just, I don't think I've ever had a gauge for it. I've just kind of turned up and thought, yeah, it'd be great. And no, and yeah, same thing. Like sometimes just upside down, no matter what I feel like it's going to be like, it's, it's never like I think it's going to be like. Right. And, uh, and I've also learned the old, the old uh, I'm just going to buckle down and try harder and, and turn the tables on this roll doesn't work. <laughs> no somebody gets passes your guard or gets to mount and you're like okay that's it not not today buddy i'm fixing this problem <laughs> and then uh, sure enough he takes my back and chokes me out so. <laughs> i'm just the worst days are when you're feeling good and then you think yeah it's going to be a good day and then it and it just all goes wrong you know the, the days when you leave the gym and you just think what on earth you know what kind of a hobby is this <laughs> 
but then you go home and then you think oh but if I'd have done that and and that's what yeah it's just that little that little voice in your head it's just saying you, you should have did this instead and there, you know, there's probably try it there probably should be a support group for wives because <laughs> my my wife hears it she get you know she's like oh you know she could tell you all the stories about me coming home saying I can't believe so and such passed my guard today <laughs> <laughs> like don't you have anything else of interest to talk about what what you want to start worrying about is when she gives you the answer as to how to stop it yeah yeah well maybe you should have tried this well, you'd have got the underhook on the left hand side it wouldn't have happened connection jeff you just need some connection better connection yeah yeah, yeah that's where you got to really worry i don't know i find that i think my best times are when i'm well, these guys say I'm like it all the time, but when I'm mindless, when I'm just not, I'm not thinking about it, I'm just kind of there and somehow it just happens and I don't have to, the minute I think about something, it's like, oh, no, it's gone. It's like trying to grab air. Yeah. I think uh, I would say we're wrong, 80% or more, or when I roll, I feel that I'm sort of in that mindless state. But so I heard an uh, interesting thing that is changing uh, how I'm kind of approaching that. So I heard Gordon Ryan talking on one of his, I don't know if it was a podcast or, or something, an interview. And they were just asking him about, you know, how he's able to do so well or something. And, he, and he's talking about black belts and he, and he says, it's not hard. He's, he, he said, I just know, I just know what I'm doing and these other people don't. <laughs> right. Uh, he says something to that effect, and and I kind of was one to ask. And I was like, I wonder if he's just if he's just making a cocky statement, or if he really has this system of I'm going to go in there and this is the system I'm going to deploy on these guys, and that's the key. That and the other guys just go in there with, oh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so I've thought about that, and I thought, well, maybe I should have like this these game plans that I just run, which. I don't generally. I just am like, well, all right, we'll see what happens. So what's what's the A game then, Jeff? What's, what, what's the first game plan you've come up with? <laughs> well, so my my uh, uh, game plan from that was <clears throat> I still probably am going to start on bottom, pull guard. And, you know, unless we start on feet, I might actually try a takedown. Um, but then I'm going to my game plan is, okay, well, you know all your sweeps, Jeff. So instead of just sitting here playing guard, make a sweep happen. And I have, you know, the ones I like, my little sweeps, make a sweep happen, get to top, work to try to take the back or the mount, and then, you know, work for a finish. And so while that's not super complicated, it's just kind of a roadmap for what, what I, I need to be doing. Because I think maybe you guys are, might be similar. I'll, I'll play guard. And the whole goal, I don't really have a goal. It's just don't let anybody pass my guard. And that's kind of really, in a self-defense perspective, that's not really good. It's kind of fun for maybe playing and improving your guard. But if you're thinking about self-defense, you need to be able to be on the bottom, sweep your opponent, get to a top position, and submit him if you can. Um, so I think... I need to remind myself of that when I roll and try to make that happen. 
it's not going to happen with everybody, but at least I'll, I'll, I'll have a sequence of what I'm trying to do other than hope he does. I'm not going to let him pass my guard. <laughs> I mean, you said, you said earlier as well, and for those people that haven't met you, I mean, you are a, you know, a smaller guy, right? Um, how did you end up playing more guard though? Because normally like smaller people, you know, wouldn't you try and be in, in kind of a, a mount position more or? I guess well, they, I, I, so, you know, typical jujitsu schools, you start on the bottom. Oh, well, you don't start on the bottom. You start like on the knees or, or whatever. So I just pull into guard just because uh, I'm fairly comfortable there. Um, but yeah, as a smaller guy, I've realized when I pull guard on someone that weighs, you know, like 20, 30 kilos heavier than me, like that's mm -hmm. makes it tough. So, <laughs> so I probably shouldn't. But, but on the flip side too, right? When I, if I try to take top position on some, some bigger guys, I mean, it's difficult to keep that sometimes. Stay there. Yeah, no, it's hard. Yeah. They're strong. They, they can, you have to move around a lot, which I don't move around too much anymore. I'm slow. Like, that's why I'm like the, my nickname's the sloth. <laughs> There's somebody else here you call the sloth as well. Maybe. <laughs> I think there's there's three sloths on this on this video. Yeah, to true, be yeah. honest, what's the, what's the collective name for sloths? I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> um, Haldor is travelling around Iceland at the moment. I've asked the, the guys if there's any questions for Jeff, and uh, Haldor says since I can't watch tonight, um, just say hi from me. So Haldor sends his love. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He's driving around Iceland in a camper van at the moment. Is yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your so you you're playing a lot of guard? What's your um like go to start? Is it the is it close go to close guard or are you playing more? You said half guard, obviously after half guard usually. Well, I'll start in some kind of open guard. Um, you know, there's areas of improvement, and I I think you just I don't know. It, it, it you go to sometimes you gravitate what you like to do and, and what you're good at. Uh, I need to make sure I'm I train areas that I'm not. I wouldn't say my closed guard is is uh, super great. Um, I, I struggle with closed guard against bigger opponents. You know, opponents where I'm barely getting the feet locked. I just feel like it's only a matter of time before they're able to break it, break that lock open and start to pass. So <clears throat> that's why, with especially with bigger opponents, and uh, so I don't feel like my neck is in great shape. So I don't like getting stacked. And for me, one way to avoid that is to play a little bit more open guard and, and just keep people a little bit farther away from me and not let them uh, pressure into me as much you know, and stack me. So that's uh, that's generally why I kind of uh, stick to the, the half guard. If you, if you play half guard, people feel like they've halfway past your guard. And so they, they're trying to, smash you and not really stack you as much so uh i don't know i, I maybe it's a, i just like to suffer <laughs> that's that's why i pick these positions sorry i i can't stop laughing at the moment i just looked up what the collective noun for a, a sloth was and you've got to have a guess but uh, it's the best word it's the best a hammock no <laughs> it begins with s a sloth. No, it's a snuggle. Oh. <laughs> a, a snuggle of sloths. Oh, snuggle of sloths. <laughs> Come here and give us a snuggle. That, yeah. That could be a team name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Snuggle jujitsu. Next time we're together, Jeff, I'm going to have to pick your brains on that open guard thing because I'm—I mean, I, I, I'm not a short guy, but I have ridiculous uh, body proportions. So I have tiny legs, but quite a long body. So no matter who I'm training with, I always just struggle to wrap my legs around their waist. Um, and yeah, I haven't quite worked out a, a, a decent open guard kind of game yet. I'm, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to pick your brains on that one. Well, so that, yeah. So I, I would say I changed my, I had to, I felt like I had to go or wanted to go towards the more of an open guard and half guard. But, you know, as of the last three or four years, every jujitsu guy out there has been uh, infatuated with leg attacks. And that has also ruined my guard game because, you know, playing half guard, I can't count the number of times I've gotten some guy roll, doing a rolling toe hold on me or something. Um, so I've had to adjust it. I've had to learn how to play a, a more of an open guard and hide my feet, uh, which has been uh, fun. You know, I, I did watch a lot of the, the Donaher guys, how they play guard and how they hide their feet and get into sweeps and, Mm-hmm. Try to do what I can do from that. I feel a bit um, with the leg lock stuff. We haven't really talked about that on the other podcast, but with the leg lock stuff getting bigger and bigger, I feel baffled by it. Still, <laughs> still, I still like. I watch some of Danaher's stuff, and I kind of get it. I get what you know. I get the concept of what they're trying to achieve and things like that. And then I watch those guys roll and go. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see anything that happened then. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get it. But then, with all, how, how do you kind of sort? Like now, obviously at the black belt stage, how do you kind of sort it? Because at purple belt, I still feel like obviously I'm getting a lot of information still, and there's still loads of stuff that I'm learning all the time. But also, kind of diverging into working with concepts, not just moves all the time now. And we've talked about that on the podcast quite a lot with people. And but then I look at the leg lock game, and I'm like, oh, it's like. It is, you know, for me, it's definitely starting again. Yeah. How do you kind of pick and choose? And how do you kind of, I don't know, now at your, at your stage, how do you kind of pick and choose what you look at and get new stuff in and without sort of getting overwhelmed by knowing all of that stuff? Hmm. So, yeah, I think it's important to pick and choose, right? Um, in, any, in any part of it, like whether you're kind of like looking at jujitsu pre I mean, the leg locks have always been around, but they've become super popular. Um, I think you should, I'll coach a lot of people and I tell them, I, I think you should play jujitsu and then figure out what your game is, what you like to do. And that's what uh, you have as your core. And then you build from there. And that's not to say in, in that that's a little bit contrary to like uh, training in a curriculum. I mean, I feel you can train in, in our curriculum, have a, a concept of all the different moves, whether it's, you know, white to blue, blue to purple and things like that. But <clears throat> you also need to kind of have what's your core, be really good at that, work at that. And then you start to build out on top of that and expand um, with things that you can bring into the game. And so I would do that with jujitsu and then I would add at some point, you know, start adding some legs into that. I would by no means say I am a leg expert. There's a couple things I do well 
and I think I try to defend legs well because for a long time I I didn't I didn't really care so much to know a lot of that but a lot of people were really into it and so they kept trying to attack my legs so the one thing I wanted to get out of it was how do I defend all this right and and you could you could approach it that way you know you could say listen I'm going to be an excellent defensive guy but I just really don't care to attack this way I'm going to go back to you know other attacks that I have pass the guard and get to mount whatever you could do that um but I think uh I think that's how I approach things because there's just too much information out there too much to learn uh and if you try to be good at everything or learn everything you, you won't be good at anything um so that's generally what I do I, I wouldn't say if you watch me now I think my roles are some of the most boring things you'd ever see <laughs> you know I, I just want to control people. I don't want them to, you know, jump around. I want to, I want to control where they move and how fast they move. And I want to get to the positions I want. And it, it's very much sloth jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't do any inverted guard. I don't do any cartwheel passes. I don't do any of that stuff. I like it then. If I think like with, I don't know, world things but i feel like we're getting chased down so hard by all the other guys at our school especially you know oh okay i'm riding with peter rob now it's time to kill someone <laughs> and I, I feel like every time we get on the mat to roll you know they'll they'll do what we say with everyone else and say no just take it easy blah, blah, blah. and then it comes to us and it's like right kill <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep so, i don't know if it's gonna ever change right I feel like all I do is like, oh, survive, don't die. <laughs> yeah, you, you you create these little uh, these little snakes and they'll bite you, right? <laughs> yeah, some of them are getting some good bank fangs on too. Yeah, yeah, they are as well. And the, uh, the adults kind of through the lockdown thing have been on and off and some people have been kind of doing, you know, bits and pieces and training hard. Some people, I think, have just not been able to, you know, they've just been trying to work and everything else really and survive the lockdown. But the one, the, the the group that will come out of it insanely better than when they went in with the kids. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just training all the time with us on Zoom. Like most of them are showing up to class like twice a week, training with their parents on Zoom with us. Like, so they're getting one-to-one -one the whole way through class with their parent being their body. They're just practicing, 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 practicing. And they're the ones that are going to come out as... I mean, they I won't get, get tired either. So right. when they come back, they won't get tired and they'll have all these skills. I'm watching the parents though, Pete, that train, you know, that the parents that have kids that train and the parents that train as well, they're going to come out good. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're getting some, uh, it's, it's, they've not forgotten anything, have they? They're, uh, they're, still, they're still kind of like wise to it all. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be weird to see how people like how they are when they come out of it and you know obviously the people we haven't seen for a bit see how they are and yeah one day maybe <laughs> one day you guys will be you guys will be set free soon yeah yeah i think we've got a little little road before. yeah yeah i think we've got a little while to let us uh touch anyone <laughs> How how long was uh, jujitsu not allowed for in 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 Atlanta, Jeff? How long were you out for? 
Man, you know, that whole thing was like a blur. So I'm trying to, I lo- when we had the uh, lockdown, I think I lost track of time. I didn't know what day or the week it was and things like that. So I, I can't, I'd have to look at a calendar to see how, how many weeks we actually were, sh- you know, not doing anything. Um, I think uh, it was probably definitely all of March. And I think in the beginning of April, we weren't open, but couple of us were like uh, meeting up to do some training and then I'm not sure they allowed gyms to open back up sometime in April and um, it was it was strange because you know they had all these rules and regulations and it was really difficult to do like uh, some schools actually were trying to go by all the rules of social distancing and I thought how do you have a jiu-jitsu class and, and I think a lot of several of the people I know that ran schools decided I'm just going to wait until we can actually run a, a, a proper class because, you know, what are they going to get out of it? Uh, other than you could, you just do zoom classes and they get the same thing out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to, uh, people were building like dummies to train with out of pillows and geese and stuff like that. And I was just, uh, hey, do you have one? Do you have one? <laughs> I, I'd, uh, you know what? I've used it. The only time I use it is when we're teaching the kids' class, and like I want to give. So, so what we've been doing is, Robin's daughter and both of Bill's sons have been basically the demo bodies for the kids' class. So, like I've been kind of in there planning the classes, and then online with these guys and saying, right now we're going to do this, and I'll do all the warm ups and the, you know, all of that kind of stuff with the kids, and then. Yeah, I've been using the dummy to show Bill or his kids what I want them to show for everyone to watch so that they can copy it kind of thing. So, yeah. um, but apart from that, it's completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the dummy so- comes in handy because it saves me from, you know, strangling my children. So we, we like the kids to demo on the adults. So uh, it gives it gives Pete a chance to show my little boys or, or Sophia, Robin's little girl, that, you know, what it is they've got to do to me or Rob. <laughs> It's, it's when I see the veins starting to stick out of Bill's head, what I do is quickly press mute on his uh, on his on his window. So uh, I'll go right. I'll demonstrate this on the dummy. Okay, let's. Do- <laughs> Aaron, will you please just do <laughs> turn his camera off whilst he's. Oh. It's, it's so hard though, like because they just <laughs> want to play as well, and and it's like yeah, we play in between when I'm muted, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, like switching from play to like demonstrate to, you know, yeah, but it's good. It's good fun. Yeah. Good. yeah. So do you guys, uh, so you guys have your, your, I guess, fundamental class and then you have an advanced class, right? So what's yeah. the, uh, what, when you do your blue belt and above class, like generally what's the curriculum you guys are using for that? We're using blue to purple, obviously with the blue, blue to purple and then um, the extra self-defense and then we're using sort of whatever we've done with seminars with people so because obviously what Alan does with us a lot of the time is some really you know structured seminars and things like that then yeah. you know they make great classes um, you know sometimes stretched over a couple of classes obviously but yeah yeah um, you know and then when he comes over he'll give us stuff um, and then just yeah just everything Obviously, we're so lucky with that that bit of the curriculum that we started building up 
is stuff from like when you were there, like stuff that Mike did with us when, you know, when we were there. So we'll take some of the white to blue moves and show some of the extra little details that we've been shown by like Mike or by Alan or by Master Sauer or so we can then build on what they've already done. But we kind of structured it around the blue to purple to start with. And then we just kind of added little bits from there. So um, that's pretty much it, isn't it, Rob? I don't think we've yeah. done anything more than that, really. We've but, just... Because we, we, we do it in like a rotation, right? So we kind of go through positions and this is... Okay, so everything to do with mount. Okay, everything is to do with side control. Everything is to do with back. And that kind of... If you imagine that like a circle, that circle is just kind of expanded as we've got more and more classes to fit in it, you know? But it did start off just as the blue purple stuff, really. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm always uh, trying to tweak uh, curriculum. Well, in my own, for me, like how I would uh, teach stuff. And I think that's what I would do is like a couple, you break out a period of time for a position, right? For a week or two, we're going to work side control stuff, mount, back, and then uh, run that through like that blue to purple curriculum. Um, but I've always tried to figure, I've always wanted to try to figure out a way to get through the whole curriculum, but keep it short enough that the rotation through is not like, oh, I saw this 20 weeks ago. <laughs> That's yeah. the struggle I always have is like, is like trying to get someone to see the same move, you know, where there's not like this massive gap. Last time I taught it. Big enough, but not, you know, so big that you, you it, it passes once a year. Yeah. So yeah. hard, that's a hard, that's a hard one to do. Yeah. Our white to blue, what is it? It's about two and a half months, isn't it? On the rotation. Yeah. yeah. So white to blue, we get through in two and a half, two and a half months. And that's, that's pure white to blue with a couple of, ex, with some of the uh, sort of Gracie Academy style stuff with the stages of guard and, and that kind of stuff in there as well. Yeah. Uh, mixed in. And then, yeah, slightly shorter on the, um on the open open rank class isn't it probably like down to two months but that'll that'll build up i mean that'll go build up but then like you say it's that combination isn't it because when i was listening to or or looking at the gracie academy their curriculum almost takes a year to get through once you get to the advanced you know blue belt and above it takes you almost a year to see the same technique again it's a long time it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't looked a ton of their curriculum, but I'm actually going to meet with um, uh, a guy that runs a Gracie school here um, on Saturday and go down and take his class and hang out and chat with him because I was curious how they do it um, because I was looking looking at their stuff on the online and I was gonna, I said, you know what, I'll just go talk to someone. They can explain it better to me. <laughs> they go through their whole <laughs> curriculum. Yeah. I think they've structured it really well and everything they've done do is really well structured and thought out and everything else and backed up with the video, you know, all of that stuff. They're probably doing it, dare I say, kind of the best out of, you know, the best out of everyone from that point of view, but it's just, yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? But then I suppose they're going through that curriculum almost until black belt, aren't they? But then they haven't finished it yet, have they? No. They've only got up to purple belt. Are they doing yeah. purple belt now? Yeah. yeah so so that's why that's the the curiosity for me of how like if you want to create a i don't know so the the trade-off 
is you go through a, a, a large curriculum, takes a long time. At the end, someone sees moves and hopefully understands these techniques. Um, but I think if you were, then would approach it on a competition side, if you wanted someone to be really effective at it, you would probably shrink that down and then focus on a smaller set of techniques that maybe are tied together in more yeah. of a philosophy. So I, I've always had this, you know, try, what's the balance there? I, 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 want, I want to have, uh, you know, teach students like a complete curriculum, but I also want them to be very proficient at it because, because if, we are, if I am teaching self-defense or, or if I'm teaching competition, you, you know, you don't want to teach self-defense and then have them know a lot, but be good at nothing, right? That's not good for a self-defense situation. So um, I always kind of run that through my head. I like to ask other people what they do, how they think, what they think about it. That, that's, why, that's why we kind of keep the fundamental loop going, because that is your you know, real, yeah, you know, fundamental, not basics, just fundamental stuff, the stuff that gets you out of trouble. Yeah. And it, you know, it, we've got we've got guys. You know, Phil's our most sort of uh, senior student as a purple belt, but we've got guys from like, you know, two week white belts up to Phil. You know, but everyone jumps in on those fundamentals classes still. Yeah, we used to do that. Anytime uh, Master Sal would show up and teach a fundamental class, we would I would I would go because I was always going to learn something from it. Yeah. And, uh, we, we say, don't we, about some of the moves like, um, you know, the under the leg guard pass or the back escape. Generally, those two are the ones that normally every time someone shows it to you, it's like, oh, yeah, there's something else. Yeah. So yeah. what about, because uh, I know, Bill, you asked me, like, how uh, wrestling helps my jiu-jitsu. But I know uh, Robin and, and you guys have, a, you guys have striking backgrounds. So how does that play into your jiu-jitsu? Because I don't have any of that. And sometimes I wish I did. To be fair, I think I think for for a stand up, I'm, I'm, I've kind of I'm, for the most part I switched over to I don't want to get hit in the face. I'm not a big fan of it, <laughs> so I want to get in as you know as, as clear as possible. But what I do like it for is the fact that when we get to the floor and we start, you know, we put some gloves on and we start doing like um, you know some some of the sort of fight simulation type stuff. That I feel reasonably comfortable with that. You know, straight off the bat because you know how to throw a punch. You know, you're not just like <laughs> you know, you've got a little bit of um you know like you've got that movement ingrained in you know yeah a little bit of experience with that right yeah yeah i feel like that distance management's easier i feel like yeah. that kind of I, I know how i can move in and out of that although my striking would be super rough right now because <laughs> we haven't done it for so long like you know started doing jiu-jitsu and almost stopped completely with the striking but i don't i i feel like yeah my distance management would possibly be better than someone that hasn't done striking that's a good point actually right because you understand the length of your limbs yeah yeah that's, that's a good I, I fully agree with that not having striking like i understand the closing the distance from a wrestling perspective but i always wonder man would i get caught coming in and would it be lights out <laughs> but they call, it, they call it they call it like a fighting measure don't they it's like how you know a fighting measure is like you know how far someone has to move to hit you? Can they reach you? Can they can they punch you? Can they kick you? But a fighting measure changes depending on what they're using because it is different between a punch and a kick, and it's different. Like how close you be to be able to shoot a double on someone is different necessarily 
to someone punching you. So you think, oh, I'm safe here. They can't get me from a wrestling point of view. But yeah. you sit there and think about that in real time. That's got to be something that's quite um, intuitive. Tra- training with these guys, guys though, Jeff, uh, you know, it stands out to me like that, how comfortable they are when you when you're starting standing, and you know the whole part of you know the, the takedown, closing the distance. You know, I'm a bit more like you. I don't have a striking background, and I'm always I, I overthink the whole stand up bit massively. For a long, 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 long time, I was like, I have to look for the right cue to know to do the right, you know. You know, am I going to helmet hit and hug, or am I going to, you know, duck under and go to, you know, to like T position, but with the head at the back, or, or you know, or am I going to go for a double? You know, what, 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 what do I go for? And I'm always like trying to think, yeah, I need the right cue to do the right takedown. It, it took me until maybe a year ago for for Pete to finally get the message through. <laughs> don't, don't worry about the right move you know so most of the time one one or the other of those will work you just have to you just have to commit to it and go for it um and yeah helmet hit and hug t- tends to tends to kind of work <laughs> we we know genuinely from from training strikers or um for like kickboxing matches or or whatever or being in that situation that 90 percent of the time you'll see someone you know, even someone that's trained really, really hard in striking, <laughs> we always joke about this one scenario where we're taking one of our guys to an MMA fight, and this guy was in the back hitting pads like he was, like we were watching him going, he's sharp, really sharp, lightweight guy, little lightweight guy, really sharp, great footwork, in and out, super fast hands, really straight punches, no telegraphing, we were like, ooh, he's going to be, and he went in there and just started windmilling. We were like, where did, where did that guy go? Where did, where did, where's, your yeah, where's, where's the dude, where's your twin that was hitting the pads really nicely out there? So we also know, this was what I was kind of, I think I've said to Bill before, it's like, don't worry about it. Cause even a good striker will go to bits the minute the fight starts. The minute it really kicks off, they'll, they'll start swinging for the fences. And so then your jujitsu stuff then is perfect. Yeah. What's your, what's your first takedown that you think of, Jeff? You know, having that wrestling background, what what would you go to normally? So, uh, so I, I'd like, I'll do a, a, a double leg, basically a variation of that. <clears throat> Most of the stuff in wrestling, because you have the mat and it's sporty. When you shoot a double leg, you usually are shooting down onto a knee. Um, so that works if you're just trying to play around. But if you're thinking you know, self-defense, you're thinking MMA, they, they don't shoot double legs too much like that anymore. So um, I, I need to probably practice mine, but you, you, you know, you use the motion, you get the guy chasing, he's stalking you down and you reverse that on him and, and take him in. You see a lot of guys, sorry about that. Something keeps dinging here. You see a lot of guys in the UFC using that. And I, I think that would be my go-to off a punch. If I see a punch and I can uh, slip it and hit a double leg. Yeah, I, I think double legs look cool. <laughs> yeah, they're hard and they bend double, and you can't. Yeah, oh, it's good. I do like. I miss. I miss practicing double legs with Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you must have met Sam, giant Sam, six foot five. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. There's you guys, you guys had some. You, there was uh, who was the other guy that was even bigger? 
he was a big weightlifter, powerlifter guy. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's Sam. That's, that's Sam. That's Sam. Oh, okay. I was thinking, uh, oh, were there two Sams? Yeah, there were two Sams that year, okay. actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. That's always fun training with Sam. <laughs> double, double, double legs with Sam. So, yeah, if you can reach your arms around these legs, you know. <laughs> oh. But when it works, it works great. See, when, if it was Sam, I wouldn't try a double leg. I would pull guard. <laughs> well, we, um, we've told this story on the podcast before. But, <laughs> so when we had the seminar with Luis, that all the guys are standing in the hall and we walk in with Luis and he's obviously in his gi. And instantly, Luis's eyes go to Sam, and he looks at him and he goes, "Jiu-Jitsu is not for you." <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is for us to beat people like you. It's not for you. It's not for you. And then, he didn't want to teach him. He didn't want to teach him anything. And then, he, and then he looks at me and Robin, and he's like, "He's already fight. He's already like weighing up in his head how he'd how he'd get him." <laughs> he's like, "I wouldn't try and armbar him. I'd take his back and choke him." <laughs> Oh my gosh! The fight. So see, that, see, that's good. Uh, that, that was one of my little uh, little mottos, right? When it, sort of like tongue in cheek, um, you know. I think it was uh, our some mil, some marine general that was. I think he was the secretary of defense over here. He used to say, "Always be polite, always be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet." And that and that sums up exactly what he's doing. How am I gonna How am I gonna take that big guy out? Yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favourite people. But I always say, I always feel, Luis, that the veil of civility is very thin. <laughs> <laughs> like with Master Sour, it's really well hidden. Yeah, the, the savagery is really well hidden. But with Luis, it's 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 like this far from the surface. <laughs> and yet, he's great. But he's the great. nicest guy. So cool. Uh, just awesome and was one of my heroes that I really wanted to train with for so long um yeah awesome amazing but yeah, yeah. yeah you can do a little Hawaii uh Hawaii trip that's definitely on the cards my lighting's dying again go train with them um yeah yeah Hawaii's on the list we, that's the problem with doing this podcast we've ended up with the biggest road trip <laughs> that we now around the world trip so Jeff, you know when 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 Atlanta was like closed down, when when you all got back to the mats after that, you know, four weeks, five weeks, however long it was, how did you stop people from killing each other, or or were they, you know, were they just well behaved, or? So it was only a couple of us, but but that's what people were like. Man, I had not. I, I'm I'm going nuts because I haven't trained, and so so everyone, luckily everyone had kind of lost a little bit of cardio. So as aggressive as they were, it usually only lasted for a round before they were like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. <laughs> so that was, that was helpful, right? Because uh, everyone was good for one solid round of trying to kill each other. And then, hey, let's just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> so, so word of advice is you just let all of them go one round before you join in. <laughs> yeah, that's black belt thinking. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I always think of like jujitsu, you know, when you're training regularly, it's like wearing, me and Rob always say this, it's like wearing a suit of armour, isn't it? Kind of like every, you get tough to everything and, uh, you know, 
you, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's like a suit of armor. Things just bounce off you. I am genuinely worried about when I get back to training that first week. I think, I think something's going to snap. <laughs> I don't think I've got any core anymore. <laughs> I used to pride myself on my neck. I think, I think, you know, my head might just pop off. But that's see, that's jujitsu. Being able to train with like no, like just being completely out of shape and still being able to do it. There you go. Still surviving. I said to these guys yesterday. I said I've been training quite hard in lockdown. I've been, you know, working out quite a lot. But I was, I'm such a one trick pony that I was standing talking to my dad yesterday and my back fell out of place just standing there <laughs> and then i went to i went to the for you got the hardware store i went to the diy store today and picked up a box of screws and pulled the tendon in my elbow i'm like oh come on give me a break it's been a long time jeff for us we're, we're, we're falling apart oh, <laughs> You guys got to get on the mat while you can before it's too late. <laughs> no, you guys are been around long enough, and I'm sure you see this. Uh, you know, you're always going to have something hurt, and you'll just learn how to keep training and rolling with something hurt. You know, uh, I'm always surprised that I think the older you get and the more you train, there's something hurt, and you just, you know, becomes, you know, just common. Because I yeah. see a lot of kids, younger even, you know, the younger 20-somethings, and they'll get hurt in jiu-jitsu. They'll pull a muscle or something, and they're, I'm not, they're out for a week. I'm like, you know how many times I've pulled a muscle or strained a tendon or whatever? I'm there the next day. <laughs> because oh, if, I waited, if I waited, I would never get to train because there's always something on me that hurts. Yeah. I was, uh, my rib, when my, when my rib got popped, I was sort of like, uh, oh, I'll roll. Just roll really light. <laughs> With a broken rib. Yeah, tie it to whatever's next to it and just carry on and you'll be fine. Maybe that's where that, you know, playing off off, off of your back comes from. You know, it's, it's the, kind of the safest place, right? You're not going to fall anywhere. You're kind of, most of you's in contact with the ground. <laughs> kind of, there's less variables. Yeah, okay, I'm good here. I'm good, right? Yeah, you just try and strangle me. Yes, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably more at risk of injuring myself, uh, tripping over my own feet, trying to pass someone's guard. <laughs> so that's why i'll play guard and if my arm hurts i'll tuck it into the belt and try to just use one arm and you know, yeah, you, know you, you can do okay with that stuff so yeah yeah like you say we've got to convince uh some of the younger guys that it's okay just just you can just slow down a bit and just still keep training yeah, I just think they're so you they're so used to having that wonderful body that doesn't hurt when they get one little pain that it's like catastrophic. And they're like, no, no, welcome to the world of chronic pain <laughs> every day. <laughs> oh, what we've got to look forward to. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm already there. What are you talking about? I'm not far off. I'm not far off at all. Yeah. Jeff, it's been lovely to catch up with you again, buddy. Yes. It's, we should do this. You know, I, I, I am going to make a trip over there. Uh, I don't know when, but I'll, I'll come over. And so I'll have to uh, hit you guys up, come by and see you. I make sure we're out of lockdown so that we get, get to roll. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll wave at you from a social distance. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll definitely wait till we're out of this 
hopefully we won't be into some other uh, bubonic plague or something else, right? Yeah. I did yeah. see there was a case of bubonic plague in yeah. northern China. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a one-off. So, yeah. But, gee whiz, it was like, what What next? I don't know. There was some, someone I know posted something about they'd found some new, what was it? Uh, Rob will remember. Some, there was some new ex physics experiment they'd done and they'd found a new particle or something. No, it was it was the um, quantum stuff, wasn't it? Because normally only very sm small stuff kind of pops in and out of existence. That was it. But what they were managing to do was to make things. What was it they actually moved? It was like the size of a door a, or something. It was a mirror or something, didn't right, they? Yeah. Kind of, as big as a mirror, like wobble. Yeah, and I was like, not. Uh, one of my friends posted it, and he said, "Not today. Just leave it alone, fellas. Leave it alone." It's <laughs> <laughs> it's like Horizon or something. Yeah. Oh. Just no, put it back in the box just for now, just for a oh, year or so. Rob, Rob's like, is it Blofeld out of uh, out of uh, James Bond there with the cat on his lap? Die, <laughs> <laughs> it's the boss. <laughs> uh, that's stri strictly for the YouTube people, the, the audio people, that'll mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't let Hickson see the cat because uh, he'll start attacking the screen, you know. <laughs> yeah, they'll want to start fighting. Zoom <laughs> fight. <laughs> Awesome. No, right, well, I'll um, you coming over, and uh, I'll I'll be getting some of those open card tips. <laughs> yeah, and if you guys, if any of y'all travel, if you're traveling over, uh, hit me up. You're welcome to come visit. We'd love to have you. Uh, definitely. Yeah, we're excited about being able to travel again and being able to train again. And don't take it for granted. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the one thing you never ever do ever again. I've got some family in Florida, and when we go there, we stop in Atlanta before flying down to the Panhandle. Um, so yeah, next time if we if we do that again, um, if we do that trip, we'll uh, I'll uh, I'll see if I can yeah a, a bit of a factor, delay or something. Factor a day in there, right? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Right. Well, I'll kill the live stream. Um, so I'll do that now.